Welcome to the Patron Drive. This is another special bonus episode to thank you once again for listening and to tell you all about our special Patreon episodes. It's our annual Patron Drive. When you become a Tizitor, that's our, you know, the special name I made up for people who join the Patreon, you get episodes ad-free and usually early. Uh, Lately, I've been slacking on the early part, but that's the plan. You get special bonuses, like you actually get to see the video of me recording the episodes with our guests every week, and you get special bonus stuff in the mail, stickers and drink koozies. If you join at the producer level, you get even more bonuses and free stuff. One of the fun things you get when you join Patreon, and you can join for just a dollar a month, is access to watch the web series I did called Joke Story Trick. So every week of the pandemic back in 2020, I created a new live stream web show with a special guest. So we told jokes, did magic tricks, taught magic tricks, covered some offbeat news stories, and had our guests tell stories of their own. And it's those stories that I've collected here during this special Patron Drive episode. So, if you enjoy these stories, and there's so much more available on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash michaelkent to join today. It's a special patron drive, so now's the time to join. It's patreon.com slash michaelkent. Our first story of this bonus episode was shared by Bruce Valanche. I was so lucky to get Bruce on the show. He's a Hollywood comedy writer who you may remember from his very popular appearances on the TV show Hollywood Squares. It's a, uh, it's a, a joke or a story. I'm not exactly sure. Or I'll both. tell you a story. I'll okay. tell you, I don't know how, how old people, these, your listeners are, your viewers, people who watch this thing. I don't either. So, I don't either. But I, I just, this is such a Hollywood story to me. Uh, but it, it takes place on Broadway. Uh, it was uh, many years ago now when a chorus line first opened. And it was like Hamilton. It was, you couldn't go near it. It was this gigantic smash hit success. And I had worked with Marvin Hamlish, who composed the music. When I'd met him, he was a rehearsal pianist for Anne Margaret, who was a big movie star, who had a big Vegas act that, we, that I wrote, that we all worked on. And she was, she's also famous for being, uh, doing a movie with Elvis called Viva Las Vegas. And she was his girlfriend for a minute. And they all, she kept up with him until he died. Anyway. So Marvin uh, graciously sold me his house seats. Didn't give them to me. Wow. Sold them to me. <laughs> and uh, so they were great seats. And it was the hottest ticket in town. And we went into the theater. And it was one of those audiences. It was like an Academy Awards audience. I mean, a road down. And we had fabulous seats. A road down. Uh, two rows down was Jacqueline Kennedy. Wow. And she was with Coretta Scott King, Mrs. Martin Luther King Jr. Oh and um, across the aisle from her was Lena Horne, who was, of course, another part of that group. She was a, a huge, a huge star, singer star. And Robert Redford was across the aisle from us. And uh, it was just it was phenomenal. And sitting directly behind us was Elizabeth Taylor. And her then husband, who was a, a senator from Virginia, uh, uh, John Warner. And um, I thought, well, this, you know, this is very A-list. And it's now getting curtain time. And there are two seats on the aisle in front of us that are empty. Now, you know, 
those seats have been sold. They're occupied. They're, you know, and where are they? And where are they? And where are they? And now everybody is there, and there are curtains being held a little bit. Uh, and all of a sudden, you hear a commotion from the back of the theater, and flash bulbs are popping, and stuff's going on. And of course, we all turn around. I turned around to see who it was. And I turn around, and I am staring into the face of Elizabeth Taylor. She does not turn around. Wow. <laughs> Looks straight at me. And she says to me, must be somebody pretty big. Oh, wow. <laughs> Doesn't get bigger than you, girl. Wow. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, my and gosh. It was Audrey Hepburn who, of oh. course, and came down there. There was air kisses and all that. But I loved that. To me, this was real Hollywood training. She would not turn around. But she knew it had to be. Oh, my gosh. You Isn't know, that amazing? She wasn't going to give them the benefit. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the relativity of, like, the pecking order of the stars, oh, right? exactly right. It was, and, it was uh, a life lesson for <laughs> someone who works, you know, who works amongst the stars. And I've, you know, written all these Academy Award shows. I hadn't yet written one then. I've, I've written, I think, 25, 23 of them. Um, but that was before I ever wrote one. So I, I hadn't, I wasn't as immersed in divas. And so when you meet these super mega divas now and these super celebrities, do you think back to Elizabeth Taylor and, and try to be that person who's looking straight ahead and thinking, <laughs> oh, it no, must I'm be just, somebody I'm big? I'm so eager and a fan. That's awesome. You know, I got to know her because we, we did a lot of AIDS charities. She was very, very big in AIDS. She created the whole AIDS charity uh, uh, foundation, literally. And, um, and so we did a bunch of shows together and she was she was a very offhand individual when she wasn't having to be Elizabeth Taylor. Really? She yeah. Oh yeah, she was. Well, and also she was um, she was a different kind of a different species of human. I mean, yeah. she grew up she was always a movie star. From, yeah. from as long as she can remember, she was a movie star. You know, if you asked it's, her what's your occupation, she would say movie star. <laughs> <laughs> it's so and hard to imagine. You realize that movie star was like, yeah. movie star wasn't as thrilling as it sounded. But even so, but, like, so she, so that's why she was friendly with Michael Jackson because he grew up the same way. He was always a star, and he had no childhood. She had no childhood, and that was their bond. Yeah, it's hard to imagine someone like her acting as anything other than a movie star, a mega celebrity. Well, yeah, she, she she also made fun of herself a lot, and she made fun of the fact that she was supposed to be this this thing, and you know, wow. that, which is doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, in the real yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see what that curtain pulled back was like. I would love to see all of the people that we all look up to these mega celebrities. I want to see all of them acting the way they act in their own homes. That's just right. fascinating to me. You might not. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's right. true. Once again, that was Bruce Valanche, the famous comedy writer, provided here as part of my patron drive. There's a lot more to that interview. And I surprised Bruce with some footage I was able to attain of him acting in a college project, footage he hadn't seen since college. So if you want to hear more of that and see his reaction to that footage, you can do that now by joining Patreon and becoming a Tizzler. That's as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. I greatly appreciate your support in doing that, so I'm offering this special bonus episode 
as a thank you. Our next story comes from comedian and actor Hal Sparks. And if you love Hollywood stories, wow, he just has so many of them. He shared some show business stories with me and uh, of all the stories we had on the show, the one he shares about Little Richard is maybe my favorite. There are a lot of moments in your life where you get to meet a hero of yours. And so I'm on Talk Soup and I've just broken through. I, I literally had this moment where nobody knew who I was. I called the 90s the Sisyphus years, just trying and trying and trying. Just and it was interesting because as awful as comics are about jealousy with each other and cr crappy as they can be, when I got Talk Soup, even though there were a bunch of dudes who arguably hated me in the scene in L.A., all of them were like, dude works his ass off. Like, that was it. The response across the spectrum was, when I got the job, everybody was like, I have never been in an open mic or a shot in town, and Hal hasn't been there ready to work. That's awesome. Like, they used to call me the bomb squad at the Kindness of Strangers because anytime somebody sucked and ruined the room, Nobody else wanted to go up after them because they basically took all the fun out of the room and it was terrible. So they, Jeff, the host, would put me up right after that person because he knew you I do, could bring the room back. Didn't you do like two years solid of every night? Stand up. Every yeah. night? That's yeah. incredible. The, like holidays yeah, and I, everything. I, every single night for two years straight. And it was right up to the day I got Talk Soup. Wow. I think that was the first break I took was when I'd gotten the job. And so... I, I had this thing where um, I, I went on the air July 4th weekend of 1999 and sent the whole decade off with a bang in that regard for me. And I knew that even if they fired me after a week, I would still be Hal Sparks, who was like the, the Timothy Dalton of Talk Soup. You know what I mean? I knew even if it was horrible, it was still better than where I had been. It, everything from this moment forward is a victory. That was my... My, my idea about that. But I also knew I would no longer be anonymous as a human being. So I went down to Third Street Promenade and I walked out onto the promenade knowing full well the weekend before I went on the air, a 4th of July weekend, and I went, I'm n never going to be able to walk around with no one knowing who I am. It was, a, it was a real awareness of the size of the job I was taking on. And wow. I tested it the following weekend. I went down there on a Saturday, parked my car, went, walked on the same route from the parking garage out this little thing past this uh, deli that was there that I used to eat at with friends all the time, took two steps out onto Third Street Promenade, and a guy hit me in the ch uh, chest with his hand like that and went, hey, new talk soup guy. Huh? That was it. <laughs> two steps. So I had – I knew – going forward that this was going to change every aspect of my life. Like I said, if, if it lasted two weeks, that never goes away that recent, you know, and I, and, and so I kind of always learned to take advantage of that aspect of things, you know? Yeah. And so like the reason I did the, I love the eighties things when those came up, cause nobody knew what they were was I the guy I had a bunch of people go, hey, talk soup guy. They kept saying that to me when I was on talk soup. When I got on Queer as Folk, people were calling me Michael in public. They were saying Michael all the time. Michael's my character name. 
and it's also a common name. So turning yeah. around when people go Michael and going, oh hi, and it, you know, I mean, there could be really a Michael standing there, and you're like, who's this asshole? Who thinks we're all talking about him? So like the ego of it is ridiculous. Zoltan's yeah. pretty easy. If somebody yells Zoltan, unless there's a, a Hungarian hockey player around, you're pretty much yeah. I can turn around and go, hey, how's it going? But with Michael, it's a little nuts to go. They must mean me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I, I did, I made a choice. I will do anything with my name Chiron under my face. <laughs> okay. And, and that's where I love the eighties came in. So I did that. And then BH1, the doors started open and they started going, Hey, well, you know, uh, would you be interested in doing, I love toys and I love holidays and whatever. I'm like, um, how much you paying? No. All right. Bye. <laughs> and, um, and at one point they call me up to do, uh, Celebricadabra, and I was like, I, I will do anything where, um, like reality show wise, I'm very picky about those things because that's dangerous. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it was the Broadway Deli. Good job, Nerd Halen. By the way, that's uh, my my band, Nerd Halen. We're, wow, yeah, they the, the, yeah. the Broadway Deli was was uh, where you first yeah. got the the that's talk soup guy. Past. That's wow. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it was right on Broadway in the corner of Third Street Promenade. It was awesome. And it's gone now and it's sad. And they had the best endive salad. Um, yeah. And anyways, so, I, you know, I, they keep asking me to do stuff. And I'm like, eh, nah, nah, nah. When they came to Celebricadabra, I was like, wait a minute. You're going to pay me for six weeks to learn magic? Like, yeah. I don't even care if you air this. You know? <laughs> right. When I, did, when I did celebrity duets, it was a matter of like, if I told my mom I had a chance to sing with Smokey Robinson and I passed it up, she would, you know, she would disown me. Yeah. And now you can tell so, you your know, mom you worked with the Smokey Robinson of magic, Rocco Solano. Yes, that's right. That's pretty much how I describe it. Yeah. More <laughs> the little, more the little Richard of, of magic. But yeah. 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 And, and by the way, on celebrity duets, this is the, I guess this will, it will button up the story with this. Um, there it was a couple of different judges. They had a couple of rotating people. A lot of celebrities came in and sang, including Richard Marks and a couple other people who I didn't get to hang out with at the time, but became friends. I got to sing with Sebastian Bach and Dee Snyder and it just kind of really cool stuff. But my claim to fame on that show and the part that makes me the most proud of having done that show at all was I was little Richard's choice to win. That's that's little amazing. Richard said that I was the one he wanted to win. And That's amazing. For my whole life, I get to have that with me. I get to have that at one point little Richard was like I like that guy. You put that really on your tombstone, Hal. Little Richard wanted me to win celebrity duet. And you and and no one knows little Richard unless you got a chance to see him play the blues because there was a real human being in there. Interesting. Beyond the character that you know. Yeah. And That's so yeah, that's interesting to know. Yeah, I would never. I w I've only seen the character. And you, you know, have to as understand, little, little Richard, when he became famous, used to get in a uh, station wagon, and they would, you know, you drive to gigs, long hours between stuff. You know, there were no limos back then in that regard for these people or whatever. And he would pl play in places in the South that were just for black performers and stuff like that. It was friggin' dangerous. Yeah, you know, a lot of shit went down. You watch like uh, 
Jojo Dancer, Your Life is Calling, the Richard Pryor movie that he did that tells the story about what it was like for him to perform in like strip clubs as a stand-up and all that kind of stuff. And Or you look at you know Ray Charles' story or any of that stuff. Now add on top of that, effeminate, um, tagged as gay black man on top of that, right? Yeah. Who's got ego, like Muhammad Ali level ego, which a lot of people would want to put down. So it is, I, I don't... I wouldn't presume to know the stories, but you can tell just by his life that R little Richard went through some shit in his life that none of us can picture. And hopefully no one has to recreate um, just the, the danger he went through just to be himself. Right. Is extraordinary. So I yeah. love him for that. So we're, we're on celebrity duets and he had a, his right leg was completely withered. Um, for the longest time because he was there was an accident when he was performing in like the early 70s cheech and chong was opening for them when him when it happened um the stage they were on started to tilt uh because really? of rain and then it collapsed while no he was way. on stage and the piano he was playing at fell on his leg and broke it and gave him nerve damage and wow. over time his leg would just start to go away and if you'll recall you have never seen Little Richard walk to or from anywhere. No, and I could have never told you that until you say this right now. Like, I, would, I right. wouldn't have ever realized that. It's like some of the celebrities that have MS or something, and you don't know because you never see them enter or leave a room. They yeah. go and sit down, and then they perform, and then they do the thing. And they, they work around it. Sure. It was a similar thing. So he's sitting there. We're doing this live audience thing. There's a technical issue. He's playing music. He's going to play a song. We're all singing with him for this thing. And it's, you know, one of the, you know, main entire cast song pieces. And it's his band that's with us. He's got a bass player and a trap kit player um, and a guitar player that are with him all the time. And so they're his guys. They tour with him. They know him. They've been with him for a long time. And he can't, there's no curtain on this stage. Shit goes south. He can't get up and leave for the <sighs> half hour or so that they're going to have to fix stuff. He's stuck there. And so we all stay so that it's not obvious there's Richard sitting on the stage and he can't go anywhere in front of this large crowd of people. Yeah. So we're all standing there and they clear out part of the audience. They take them away to bring them back. So this, he doesn't have to sit there with them staring at him and which is I think kind. So it's, it's all of us just up there waiting for it to get fixed. And then we can all start again. That's awesome. And he just, he just starts playing the blues and Ugh. not little Richard banging out the blues like honky tonk, like torch, slow, sorrowful wow. music. Wow. Which is just, I mean, he's an amazing piano player anyways, but you often forget, you know, it's like, it's like forgetting that Gene Simmons is a real bass player. Like you, you, he can play in versions of other songs and stuff. And you're like, oh, right. You've been touring for 50 years. Jesus, of course yeah. you can. But I think this yeah. same thing with little Richard. He starts playing this, and Chris Jericho, the wrestler, and I are standing there watching this happen with tears rolling down our faces because we recognize we are seeing something that almost no one gets to see, Wow! which is a raw moment of pure music from Little Richard. Wow. And That's, um, that's incredible. Yeah. And... And Alfonso Rivera, who, from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, 
who's on the show and ultimately wanted or whoever, walks over, stands next to Chris Jericho, completely sort of devoid of any recognition of what he's watching and goes, wow, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And and in one moment, I've never felt two men have the exact same thought to kill another man (laughs) in in one instant. Both of us just wanted to beat him to death. And just, just like, shut the shit up. <laughs> the embodiment We're, of the phrase cool beans. <laughs> just, yeah, hey, guys. Just like, wow, huh? <laughs> it, it, it reminded me of the Big Gulps line in Dumb and Dumber. Like, wow, Big Gulps, huh? <laughs> well, see you later. Like, yeah, this, right. Here's this beautiful moment. Both of us are overwhelmed. Like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to punch him. You going to punch him? You're the wrestler. <laughs> You can hear that entire conversation, which was much longer. Hal was so giving with his time, along with jokes and magic tricks on Joke Story Trick. That's at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. And you can join today for just a dollar a month. It's the best way to show your support for this podcast. Our final story for this episode comes from a friend of mine who is known in Columbus, Ohio, as the guy on the news who goes out and does features from locations around the city. Whenever something fun is happening, festivals or special events or holidays, you name it, he's one of the coolest people. And this episode was one of the, I think it was the most watched one we did when this aired back in uh, in 2020, it aired live. Here's ABC6 Fox 28's Cameron Fontana sharing a story about when his job was challenging. Also, obviously with my job, we get to do a lot of really cool things. You know, we've gone skydiving, um, we've gone to the World Series, we've gone in stunt planes, and we get to go to all the festivals and we get to meet these local businesses and great people every single day. Best part of the job that I do. Uh, But sometimes you run into mornings um, that aren't necessarily perfect or (laughs) that aren't necessarily as fluid as you might like it to be. So without calling out anything specific, we were at one event uh, that happens around Central Ohio every single year. And we had for the very first time, someone, a notable uh, representative of the city at that event to talk about the event. So I'm with my cameraman, Edwin, and uh, (laughs) hey, Chanel. I'm with my cameraman, Edwin, uh, every day almost for features. Oh, thank you. Watch out. Hey, we're going to put you here, okay? There you go. So I'm with him for features pretty much every day. And we'll talk to people a lot of times before we go on air. I'm just, I'm not one of those guys where like, I'm going to sit off in the corner and be on my phone. We talk to people, we get to know them um, and just hang out while we're there. So talking to this representative, super cool person asking them, you know, you know, about the event, just to kind of, I kind of loosen people up and get the answers before I go on TV. That way it's fresh in their mind. So going through it, we're talking about the good food, this there and everything. So we get on air and this is the very first live hit in the morning to talk about the overview of the event. So I'm the person. All right. So I'm the representative just to give you an idea and let's pretend you're the camera. All right. So I'm right here and you're the viewer watching this representative getting interviewed. So I ask him, mind you, I've been talking to him all morning for about an hour now. So tell us about the event. Again, this is the camera on live TV. Out of nowhere, this representative starts looking straight up into the sky, like this angle, about 45 degrees, and just goes, it's going to be good. So I go, okay. Uh, Tell us about the lineup that's happening later. We got a such and such country act. 
All right. Now, mind you, I got to fill two minutes worth of time. And I got, uh, <laughs> he's given like, and I don't know where he's looking. He is looking across like 45 degrees. So he's going up. So I'm like, you know, are you very excited? The event's happening this year. Tell us about what you love most. All of it. I'm, <laughs> and I'm just blown away because it's this representative of this city. So I'm asking the question, we get done. Fortunately in school, I was that kid that always asked questions. I had 20 or 30 in my pocket at all times. I was that weird guy. So get through the interview. And while it's done, I look at Edwin. Edwin's looking at me like, what happened to this dude? Because the second we turn off the camera, he's going back to normal chit chat and everything. Uh. So we get to different <laughs> people that day. We feature the event. We're done. We go back a year later. All right. Same person. And Edwin and I are constantly like looking at each other. Like, remember last year? Remember what happened last year? And he was super cool. Talk to him again. We go on for our first hit. So something something year of the anniversary of this event what has changed the most over the years straight up into the sky a lot's changed does it say anything else edwin <laughs> no. and you can see the camera on tv starts to shake <laughs> because edwin is giggling so loud and knowing and edwin heart, this makes it so much funnier because <laughs> i can just going, see him laughing <laughs> and on live tv you can see the camera shake and I'm trying to keep a straight face because I'm going, this is happening again. Oh no. <laughs> and same thing happened, asked two or three questions, interview was done and it went back to normal. So it's like one of those things, it's unexplained. And I never had like the, I don't want to ask him because maybe he just got super nervous on camera for some yeah, reason. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of those things that was the only time some, like, cause you have people that have short answers. Right. But the thing was he looked, both years just into the sky with those one or two word answers and edwin and i to this day people ask us you know people ask what's the worst feature we don't have a worst feature we might have some mornings that it's a, a national i don't know bacteria day and we yeah, gotta they're, make they're reaching <laughs> they're we're reaching and stretching for right. 15 minutes of content that will go down as the most memorable like weird segment of all time yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for for sharing. Uh, I can't. I don't know what I would do in that situation where it's and all up to you. I don't think they're in the office anymore. So, like <laughs> one of these days, I think I'm just going to say who it is and post the clip because I don't think they're like in the well, position. I'm going to scour gonna... YouTube looking for that clip now. I won't play it on the show, but I will. Right. Uh, I will scour for it. Once again, that was Cameron Fontana. I want to thank all the guests, Bruce Valanche, Hal Sparks, and Cameron Fontana for joining me for Joke Story Trick back during the pandemic when I created those episodes every week for a year. You can see all of the episodes in their entirety by joining Patreon. This episode was a special bonus episode as part of a patron drive. Become a tizzler today by going to patreon.com slash Michael Kent and showing your support for The Internet Says It's True and other work that I produce. I thank you greatly, and I look forward to seeing you on Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>